When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Poddleters. I hope you're well. This week's episode is in partnership with financial services company Fidelity, who have recently commissioned some research on women and money, which is what I talk about in this episode with Emma Liu. So we discuss the importance of getting into investing how gendered language impacts us as women when it comes to money and finances, and why it's so important that we all start trying to put a little bit away straight away. I really hope you enjoy the episode and that you get some useful tips from it. And if you do want to access the report that they've done, I've linked that down in the show notes. I've somehow managed to get myself a bit of a summer cold. Um, But hopefully when you're listening to this, I'll be sunning myself in beautiful Italy, which I'm really excited about. So I'm sure if you want to see more of that, you can head over to my Instagram. But thank you so much, Fidelity, for being a part of adulting. And I hope you enjoy the episode. Bye. Hi guys and welcome to Adulting. This week I am joined by Emma Lou Montgomery. Hello. How are you doing? Yeah, very good, thank you. Amazing, thank you so much for joining me. We're actually in really gorgeous studios that are Fidelity's own. Um, could you tell everyone who you are and a little bit about what you do for those who might not know? Yeah, sure. So I work for Fidelity Personal Investing and at the moment I'm really sort of focusing on getting women invested and focusing on sort of the issues that affect women when it comes to our finances and planning ahead and just thinking about sort of not only just day-to-day spending, but also planning for our futures and families and, and everything else, basically, yeah. sort of cradle-to-grave financial well-being, really. Um, yeah, and so I'm covering that right now, but my background is as a financial journalist. I think I've been one for <clears throat> something like 25 <laughs> years coming up, so quite a while, but it's flown. So, yeah, I've covered all sorts there wow. from, you know, sort of individual stock market stuff for the Daily Telegraph to... Uh, just sort of working on Money Wise magazine as the editor of that, covering all sorts of um, personal finance. But for me, what's always been key is sort of, you know, getting women talking about a subject, mm. which typically I don't think we do. I think we we somehow feel it's, you know, something to do, something that men do, or I don't know, something that other sorts of women do, but not us. Yeah, you totally. Know? And think, it's so important. Oh, t- it's so important. I think it's an initiative that it's a shame that it's it's almost taken so long to get to the point where we are able to have more open and candid conversations around it. And I think, especially when it comes to female empowerment, it's a slogan that we see bandaged around by loads of brands and advertising agencies, especially at the minute, trying to cash in on this new wave of feminism. Yeah. But the real crux of empowerment or agency does come from financial stability. And so it's re- I think that that's why this kind of these, this investig- investigative work that you've been doing into women in finance is so timely. Yeah, well, it's so important. I mean, money is at the root of mm. all evil, you could say, but it's also the root yeah. of everything good as well. You know, we all spend money, we all save money, well, hopefully. Um, you know, we deal with money on a day-to-day basis. So when women sort of go, oh, no, I don't really have anything to do yeah. with money or finance, you just say, hang on, you do. I bet you anything that these women who, who are saying they aren't actually financially savvy are really good at spotting mm. a bargain, know how to shop around. All of that is 
still financial and is still really important and also can be put to really good use when it comes to looking after your own financial future as well. Yeah. Well, I think I think you're right. I think it's the gendered way that we approach money a lot of the time. So as you say, everything we engage with is money, whether that's your clothes yeah. or the food that you're buying. So we live in a capitalist society where shopping and everything, but because that, that corner of the way that money is um, deemed in society... I think makes it be viewed as less than. So the way that women spend and talk about their money, they don't realise that actually it's the same mechanisms as men in, in big banks doing investments. Absolutely the same. It's yeah. just talked about in a way that makes it seem or deemed less important. It is. And like when men have a conversation about money, typically it'll be competitive. Mm. So it'll be, oh my God, I invested in X or whatever and yeah. I've made Y. Whereas women tend not to talk like that. In fact, the press often talks to women as well about money in terms of, oh, you know, save this much and mm. you can buy a handbag or, oh, how much you're spending on your makeup, that kind of thing. And it's all very sort of lifestyle orientated, yeah. which is fine. But the fact is, though, that it is still just as important and just as weighty. The, the sort of underlying financial aspects of the, any of those conversations are still as important. Totally. You know. And I think as well, another language they always used to use, I remember this, is like splurge. Shops, yes. like women, it's always about spending. And I think because women for so long were told that our greatest capital is the way that we look or how we are viewed aesthetically, that actually a lot of the money that we spend goes into improving um, maybe those kind of paradigms. Yep. Whereas men are taught that, you know, you've got to invest for the long term and you're carrying on a family name. And it's it's really, really old ideas that have seeped in and kind of carried on permeating even till today. Yeah, I and think. it's also the technical aspects for them. We, we are sort of... We're steered away from those, aren't we, mm. with popular media? We're sort of taken away from the nuts and bolts of it and the sort of, not the gamification, but the sort of more competitive side of it. Whereas yeah. for men, that's really highlighted. It's always about, you know, these are the products, these are the sort of like nuts and bolts, these are the mm. things you need to know about. And then, you know, I mean, myself, when I think about it, I think, well, I don't really care I don't really need to know all of that kind of stuff, to be honest. I'm more interested in the end result. Yeah. And I think just admitting that, and then you talk to friends and they're like, well, I'm the same. And you go, yes, but so that doesn't make us yeah. stupid or or you sort of like less worthy of talking about it. It's just that sort of our priorities and our focus when it comes to our finances is less sort of worrying about how something works mm -hmm. and just, but just sort of focusing instead on the end result and what you want to get out of it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's that balancing the risk. So it's more kind of like, is this going to be actually feasibly useful for me? Because women tend to take less risk because we're just told that, you know, we aren't capable yeah. of doing it. And men tend to be a lot more cocksure and willing to. Absolutely. But it, I think it's also finances is taught, especially as a woman, you're taught that kind of like, oh, it's not for you, you won't understand it. So don't honestly, don't worry about it. Mm. And then it feels so alienating that you kind of feel like, well, it isn't for me. That's right. But but can you explain why, on a very base level, why it is so important that we as women are starting to take control of our finances, especially um, from from a younger age? Because I do think mm. that you start to think maybe when you have children or when you get married, especially, I feel like finances then become a conversation that you probably start to put on the table. But they really, it really needs to be something that you're trying to engage with straight away. Well, hopefully. I mean, yeah, it's, it's so important. I mean, women typically live longer than men. Mm. So for starters, from word go, we have to make sure that we've got the money there to help us to live yeah. comfortably for longer. Otherwise, you know, what what's going to happen? We can't rely on anybody else to look after us. So that's that's one of the key lessons. You know, you've got to prepare for a longer life. Yeah. Secondly, you've got to start putting yourself first. You know, women typically don't do that. We tend to be, you know, the good mother, the mm. good daughter, the good wife, whatever. We don't put ourselves first. And that's shown in the data which we've done. We, we did this financial power of women report. 
And we just saw that women tend to not even think it's relevant to them and they mm-hmm. won't sort of put themselves first. And women, say, who do start, who do sort of start saving, as soon as they have a child, their savings for themselves absolutely go out the window because the focus is then on the child yeah. because they are no longer, you know, number one important. So therefore, don't, you know, stop thinking yeah. about their own financial futures. So I think you've got to put yourself first. Um, so you've got to, yeah, so you've got to prepare for long. You've got to put yourself first. And also you haven't got to think that this is something that either somebody else is going to look after for you or that isn't relevant to you yeah. because it most certainly is relevant to you. And secondly, you know, no one else is going to look after you. You've got to start saving. And it's it's sort of crucial that you start saving sooner because mm-hmm. As women also, it's, you know, it's stereotypical maybe but, but it, and cliche, but it is also 100% true that we have a lot more potential to actually earn less and then ultimately save or invest less yeah. as well. And that's, that's you know, all those factors all together mean that the, you know, talk about women being averse to risk. Well, we God, we are really high risk yeah. when it comes to the amount of time we need to live for our aversion to actually putting ourselves first and then our sort of inability or inertia or Mm. fear or whatever that stops us from actually saving and investing in the first place. It's a dangerous cocktail. Totally. And I think the other thing that happens is you've got the intersection of gender, but you go beyond that to class or perceived wealth. And I think that when people feel like they're from a background which isn't from money, that's another barrier to realising that finance is actually for you. I think even I used to be of the belief that until you're earning 100k a year... You know, yeah. money isn't something which is kind of, it's not enough money to make it plausible to invest, yeah. but that's really not the way it is. No, not at all. Because, I mean, whatever you're saving, as long as you're saving something, then you're doing the right yeah. thing, absolutely. Because we I mean, the fact is that men and women have a gender pay, not pay gap, but a gender um, savings pension gap between them. So if you are in, you know, it's got the, um, if you're in a, a company and you've got auto-enrolment, if you just pay in the minimum... By the time you retire, a man, as opposed to a woman, would have 11%, say, more in his pension fund than a woman would have. What's, what's the reason for that? Well, it, it comes down to things like the fact that, as a woman, you're most likely to have taken um, some kind of, like, career break, say, right. to have children, or if it's not to have children, it'd be something like to look after an el- elderly carer, relative. Yeah. yeah, anything like that. Because, again, the burden normally mm. falls on the, the girl, the woman, so it's like the good daughter, good wife, yeah. good mother syndrome thing again. So there's that issue, but there's also the fact that women tend to earn less, either because of the gender pay gap or because maybe once they have children or for whatever other reasons, they want to work part time. And I think the other thing, and not even about gender pay gaps, but the actual gender data gap. So when we have at the minute seen that throughout history, it's mostly been the same kind of men that have ruled all of these institutions and therefore have put in the information that they think is relevant. But once we get more women, I guess, earning more money and being at the top of these industries, they can then make it better for women to come in the future because hopefully we will undo a bit of the social conditioning that says that women go home to look after the baby or that women are only inherently caregivers. You know, I think that that's another really important thing that it's not just for you, but if we all strive to change the way the economy works, that will actually have a massive impact on like socio-political issues and cultural things as well it's not it's all interlinked isn't it it is but but, uh, I think if you use that as an excuse now for not investing or saving for your future then that doesn't really work either because I mean there there are enough women who are the main breadwinners in relationships and in families who 
should still be saving and investing, but are still sort of making excuses to why they're not. Oh, no, I'm saying I'm saying it's good. That's why you should, because the more women that invest, the more women that then accrue like better financial stability and then have more influence in financial sectors, etc., that will hopefully yes. like undo the, the imbalance that exists now. Yeah, hopefully. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But maybe over a longer period of time. Yeah. And um, on what what when you were looking into doing your research, I think one of the things you were saying that came up a lot was the fact that before we even get into thinking about money, no one's even talking about it. And mm-hmm. especially within relationships. Yes. Um, and how what what were your figures kind of saying about those things within relationships? Well, the figures were quite shocking, really. Sort of um almost half of women tend to not actually think about their pensions and then don't even know what 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 they've got in their pensions when they do have them. Mm. I mean, that might be because of complexity of pension pots. So, you know, with auto-enrolment, as a, you've got to be earning £10,000 with your employer to actually be automatically enrolled. So if you are, say, a woman who's got more than one job with different employers and each time you know, you're earning just over the £10,000 or whatever, or way over, it doesn't matter. But it, it might be that you've got lots of different pots, so you're not right. actually on top of how much you're actually saving into your pension. Um, so I think that's a problem. Could you explain just a bit more in depth, people who might not know, specifically how a pension works? Because even I, because I'm freelance, I only realised the other day that I need to source my own pension. You absolutely there, do, there, yeah. there isn't one for me, so I no. found a new startup that does that for people like me. But what, but prior to that minute, it's actually annoyingly, I hate this, but it's because my boyfriend said to me, he's really clued up on finance, he does work in the industry, so that's fair enough. Um, and he was like, you really need to kind of address this. Yeah. For people who aren't really sure of what a pension is and maybe just hear it going by, could you give a really like concise explanation of why it's important and what it is. Yeah, well, as a self-employed person, it's even more crucial. And the yeah. figures show that even fewer <laughs> self-employed women even bother with pensions. So yeah. it's, that's even scarier. That's definitely more than half don't even bother with a pension. Well, pension is just, it's a horrible word. And I think it puts people, mm. lots of people off. But basically, all it means is that you're saving regularly into a pot, which is invested then on your behalf. And depending on which sort of type of pension you have, you can even choose what you invest in. Yeah. And then that's left to grow nicely. And then benefits of something called compounding, compound interest, grow. So you get interest or the money growing and the interest growing itself. So you get sort of like a snowball effect. And that's really, really, really essential to sort of get into play as soon as possible. And then what happens is when you come to retire, now you can retire from the age of 55 and take 25% of that pension pot tax-free. And then you can choose what you do with the rest of it. But I mean, that's 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 further down the line. Yeah. The key thing now is to really put money aside. So yeah. if you're um, if you're employed, so if you're in auto enrolment, for goodness sake, when your employer signs you up, don't even think about opting out because yeah. even if you think to yourself, well, you know, that one percent of my pension or whatever I could do to have now, I need mm. the money. Put it aside because seriously, that money will grow so nicely for you, and you know, we all do it. We all sort of like spend whatever we've got, don't yeah. we? So if it's not there, you probably aren't even going it. to notice it. So yeah, leave it invested. That's basically free money from your employer. So take that, leave it invested there, top it up if you can as well, ideally, um, and just leave it invested and keep doing that on a regular basis. Am I right in thinking that sometimes your employer will kind of give you an extra 5% on top or like kind of match extra... They might well do. I'm sure some of my friends have that, which is a really good initiative if you know it exists to make sure you sign up for that Yeah, pension matching. So if you put some more in, they might also match that for you up to a certain amount or whatever. All companies are different. There is a minimum depending on sort of um, 
what sort of, you know, there is a minimum at the moment of how much you need to contribute and how much your employee needs to contribute. But there are older schemes where people are there and they're sort of, you know, their employer will contribute, say, more. Yeah. Um, like Fidelity will pay more in for us than the minimum. Right. And then we can pay some in and they'll also match that. So, you know, it's just worth taking that money. If you're self-employed, of course, you don't have the benefit of this, no. unfortunately. So the onus is 100% on yeah. you to actually open, <laughs> yeah, open, open a SIP, a self-invested yeah. personal pension and start saving into it. But the beauty is, again, I know that it's difficult being freelance mm-hmm. too because your income can go up and down. But if you can even put aside, say, I don't know, £50 a month. Not even that necessarily. I mean, some have a minimum where you can only pay in £50 upwards, but say, but you could always say collect it together over a period of time. And then when you get, um, you know, when you get sort of like a a good month or whatever, or your money comes in, you could actually put that into your pension then. The benefit of pensions also, of course, even if you're self-employed, is that you get this tax boost. So you actually get a contribution from... Um, the tax man oh, right. on your contributions that you're making. It's, it, it's described as tax relief. So as a minimum, you'd get 20%. And okay. obviously, if you're a higher rate or a top rate taxpayer, you claim that through your self-assessment and then you can actually get, you know, claim back even more. So the cost to you is even less than it looks like, as it were, because right. you're actually getting topped up by the government. So it's 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 really, really... You know, it's a no-brainer, really. Yeah, I think you. T- I think just before as well, you touched on such an important thing, which is the fear of investment comes from that um, immediate feeling of, I think we feel like, God, if I put that away now, I'm really going to struggle with not having it. And I think women especially are more imp- impacted by that because of what you said about the caregiving thing where we're always trying to look after other people. Mm. And I think there are some statistics to say, you know, that, that women will look at their money as not really theirs, but it's theirs and their families and like, what if something happens? Yes. But but that what if is why, I guess, investment is so important because it's not just when you retire that you might have a time out from work. It's, you know, if you go to have a baby, as you said, or if something happens. Yes, absolutely. But then I'd say, have the pension. The good thing about the pension is you can't actually touch it till you're at least 55, yeah. which is good because you can't dip into it, which means then if you are thinking ahead and planning like you're suggesting there which you know again is you know super sensible to do make some other savings as well yeah use an ISA which is a bit more flexible doesn't give you the same tax relief so you don't get the boost from the government for actually putting your savings in there but put that money away into something like an ISA and you don't pay any tax on the gains you make within it so it's not as tax efficient but it's still very tax efficient a very good way of saving so when it comes to savings versus investing, because I think that, that also, that leap, I think people think sounds scary because obviously with investments, it does mean that your money is kind of being moved in and out of pots to increase and decrease over time. Whereas I think sometimes people think it's safer just to have it in like a bank savings account. That's not as helpful, is it? Because you're not making any money in it. No, just right. So when I'm talking about savings, so people talk about pension savings and they don't mean like in a savings account necessarily. It is, they are, savings and investing are sort of used interchangeably right. slightly. So... But yeah. I mean, outside of pensions now, yes. just in terms of general savings, you're talking about ISAs and things. Yeah. Um, and I think that one of the, the fears when it comes to investing is that, especially if you're investing in shares and things, you know that that money could be dropping and increasing, et cetera. Yes. And so people, especially women with that low, that aversion to risk, will then maybe think, I'm better off just leaving it sat in my bank account. Yeah. And you absolutely 100% are not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, that's always true because our report actually showed that 43% of women would opt for a cash ISA as opposed to only 19% of women who would opt for a stocks and shares ISA. Right. Yeah. So basically, 
they're taking such a risk with their money there. Because if you leave it in cash in a low interest environment like we're in at the moment, mm. not only is your money not going to grow, but you've also got the effects of um, inflation, mm. which means that the value of the pound in your pocket is eroded, which means that the savings there yeah. are just, you know, they're not growing at all. In fact, you could end up with technically, say, 20 years down the line or, or further sort of less money in real terms yeah. than you actually think you've got sitting there. So what are the first steps for someone who wants to start investing their money but feels like they don't really know where to go and where to look or who to who to trust in this world at the minute? Yeah, first of all, I think you've got to sort of you've got to split your money up into you know sort of money you might need in the short term and money you might need sort of longer term. So pensions are one thing, very long term, you know, tuck that away, invest and save as you can and that's yeah. ideal. But when it comes to your other state savings, like you say you might want it for a sort of a rainy day type of situation. So if it's a very, very short period of time and you know you're going to need this money, say, like, I don't know, next month or in the next two or three months, you might be better off keeping that money in cash, yeah. having said all that, because then you know it's there yeah. and nothing is going to happen to it in that period of time and you can withdraw it. But if you've got anything longer than that, anything sort of, I would say, sort of two, three years onwards, you should be looking at stocks and shares. Right. Um, and, you know... You can invest in individual shares if you, you know a company you want to invest in. But I think the better way to do it is to actually look at a fund where you've actually got a fund manager who will actually choose the investments for you. So you choose what kind of, again, you've got to know what sort of risk you want to take with your money, um, whether you know you want that money to be able to grow, but only maybe to a sort of limited extent, or you're prepared to say, well, I, you know what, I put this money aside. I don't particularly need this now for the next sort of 10, 15 years. I'm quite happy to put that in something a bit more adventurous. Yeah. Potential for the stock market to go up and down. Yes. But the beauty of investing in stocks and shares for the longer term is that you've got something where you've sort of, it, it averages out slightly. Yeah. And I mean, as long as you don't sort of make the mistake of desperately needing that money and then pulling your money out just as the market hits an all-time low, you know, that would be that would be bad. But as long as you can sort of ride it out and if you get to a point where the stock market looks a bit wobbly, you can hold fire right. and just sit it out and then take your money out when the market's gone back up. You know, you, you, the risks of sort of losing it all mm. are... They're not such a big as deal. As long as you can wait. Yes, it's definitely, stocks and shares investing is for the longer term. It's definitely not if you need your money out next week or, the, no. or a month's time. I think what it is, and only because I've really actually taken a keen interest in trying to learn about finance, because I have, I very much was the perfect example of, I don't really want to look at it. I didn't even want to look at how much I was earning or look at my tax, because it just, to me, was so alien and so scary. And then the minute you start breaking it down, you think it's okay. And now I really do want to start investing money and putting things away from the future because I had a whole I had to do a whole 180 with the even the way that I thought about the way that the future was so I think that the the hardest thing to get your head around is the fact that you can put something away for 10 to 15 years and that even though that feels so far away it's only ever going to do you like good to put yeah. that money away now but is there a is there really no minimum amount that you could start sa so could you do you really need to have saved a certain amount up to put it into shares? Sure to answer, no. No. No, not at all. Anything you can save is good. There is no minimum. And it, you don't have to be rich. Yeah. You don't have to have a certain amount of income. You don't have to have a certain level of saving before you start saving or investing. You can start with five pounds. You know, it's that simple. Yeah. And as long as you do it, I think, then you sort of get into the habit of it. And 
it's a good way of starting, I think. Put, save a small amount, invest a small amount. You know, don't, you don't want to make sacrifices. You do, certainly don't want to be sort of like investing so much, say, in a new ISA or right. something like that, that you are then sort of aware of that money leaving your bank account and feeling sort of, oh my God, now I can't pay for X, Y, and Z. Yeah. That's not what you want to be doing here at all. You want to have, you want to put the money aside, which, you know, you don't need right now. You don't probably ever really need. So put it aside, yeah. let it grow, and you'll be just amazed. I do think how the difficulty with the savings, especially for women, is the fact that we are marketed at so frequently so that all the time you're being told to shop to make yourself mm. feel better because of capitalism or whatever. So all that little bit pot of money that you probably don't need that might go on those superfluous things that you buy, so that dress that you didn't really need or whatever. Yeah. It's really hard, I think, to retrain yourself to realise that that immediate satisfaction that kind of capitalism is telling you you need is actually would be greatly outweighed by the benefits of of taking control of your money. And I think especially from the empowerment side of when it comes to things like domestic abuse or relationships like that, for for you to be financially stable is one of the most incredible things you can do for yourself to, to kind of, I guess, protect yourself from things like that. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. The idea of saving or investing is boring. Yeah. You know, it bores most people to tears. And that's why people think, God, you know what? I'd rather live today. I'd rather yeah. spend it and have fun. You can understand it. You know, yeah. what's more exciting? New makeup, new dress or or you know, saving. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, I think most people think, well, you know what, in the short term, I'd rather go for the, uh, the tree. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, but having said all that as well, you know, you're doing yourself a favor and you will really sort of thank yourself if you do set some of that money aside. So not, yeah. not all of it, not so you can't go and spend on what you want to spend now, but you know, put some aside so you have got that financial security and you yeah. have got a financial future ahead of you. And like you say, to be left without any kind of financial independence is very, very dangerous. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, there's too many situations where, as a woman, you're leaving yourself open to all sorts of risks if yeah. you are reliant on somebody else, say like a partner or whoever, mm. financially. Yeah. And, and, too, and, you know, from the study we did, too many women as well are reliant on say, like their, their husband's mm. pension and they, they end up getting divorced, say, or something dreadful happens like yeah. that. And they're sort of, what do you do now? They have no plan B. And they were reliant on this sort of like, you know, the marriage lasting yeah. and, their, and their pension being paid out to them, the husband's pension being paid to them further down the line. And then that's just cut off. I think it's something we're definitely seeing with my parents' generation. I think you see a lot, a lot of that happening because especially in those days, I guess you would, it was the very traditional idea of, you had a job, then you had a baby, you left a job and you got married and you, the husband was the breadwinner. And yeah. I think because that is thankfully changing and we are getting it more more equality, but women are doing better, but then still are missing some of the fundamental education around money or the things yeah. that men have been kind of conditioned to know from the get-go. I don't know when in life that happens, but my my male friend seems to be so much more clued up on money than my girlfriends and I can't see, I don't know when that happens. I, I, I don't even think there is a time when it happens. I think it's a, it's just something we all need to actively do. Yeah. 
you know, it just, we need to sort of, and we need to say that it, we need to like identify it like you can see that happening now mm. and then sort of pull yourself up on that and say, hang on a second, why is that? There is no real reason for it. Yeah. It is just a thing of, it's probably comes down again. Do we think it's slightly dull and boring and we can think of better things to do with our money or we think it's not relevant to us. Yeah. You know, we think, oh, you know, oh yeah, well he would be good at it. He's a guy. Mm. Oh, I'm a girl. I can't be bothered. Or I don't know what, you I know. Think, well, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's the onus is on the individual. I think it's the way that society, especially when it comes to mainstream media and, and even like magazine outlets and things, kind of you, when you think about it, even from such a young age, you buy a magazine and it says, you know, it's all lip gloss and boys magazines already, I think from like age seven or eight are telling them, talking, start talking about in a language that, implies investing in longer term do you know what I mean I said yeah you're right but I don't you see I don't think we can write that off though is oh it's you know it's the media's fault or government needs to do something I think we as women see the gap see the problem and I, I you know I just think we've got to take responsibility yeah. for it you know it other things are changing in life. We can't. We haven't sat back and sort of said, "Oh, gender, you know, gender equality is is happening more and more." Yeah, there's all sorts of things like that going on. So I think financial gender equality, we have to take control of too. You know, enough women will speak out on things like, you know, Me Too, absolutely rightly. So why on earth would we then not sort of stand up, put on our big girl pants and sort of say, you know, hang yeah. on a second. You know, we've also got to look after ourselves financially so, no, I and not, not blame yeah. everybody else and then no, do nothing. No, I, I totally agree. But I think that feeling of it's almost like a privilege of, of um, feeling like maybe you don't have the ability to access this information or whatever. And I totally agree that it's got to come fundamentally from you. And we we are luckily, lucky enough to be living in London and feel like autonomous enough to go out and earn this money whatever but I do think that for a lot of women especially you maybe have grown up in religious backgrounds or different environments where it wasn't really cultivating that the belief that you can access this so I think I think it comes from both sides I think it's both cultural and personal it um, does it does and it's quite it is tricky but yeah. it is tricky I mean and I don't think you can solve it overnight no definitely you know not. and I think this is this is good, so we're all aware of it now. Yeah. We all sort of at least know that we should be doing something. And then we talk to other girlfriends and talk yeah. to people and just encourage them as well. You know, I think the best thing we can do is sort of make this an open conversation mm. and, and talk openly about money and talk about the fact that we find it boring or that, you know, we're not, yeah. we don't feel that engaged with it. And I do think the industry does need to do more, but I think it's starting to realise that. Yeah. You know, we are finding that more companies are sort of talking more equally to women about it women don't need things to be pink or yeah or talk down about so that we can understand it in our little girly way you know yeah, they exactly. do understand that we are just as intelligent as men if not more, if not more. exactly <laughs> I was about to add that you know so it's absolutely it is changing yeah you know and we've got to why should why should finance or money be sort of a male domain no I don't I don't think it should be I don't, no I, just, I know you're not saying that. that but yeah it's no I agree you know we, we do think of it like that like for me you know when I wanted to, when I was younger and I wanted to be a journalist, I seriously pictured myself. I was either going to be editor of Vogue or Cosmo, yeah. right? Yeah. And then I and then I sort of say that still today, mm -hmm. almost making apologies for ending up being a financial journalist, yeah. as though, oh God, that's a bit odd for a girl, yeah. you know. But, but it's, it's silly. It's so true. I mean, even when I was at uni, I was doing English. I remember I had a girlfriend at a different union. She was like, oh, I'm applying to work at EY. And I was like, can you do that with an English degree? She was like, yeah, anyone. I had no idea that I could have no. gone into... So I then started doing all the psychometric tests. I was like, I'm going to work at PricewaterhouseCooper. Yeah. My friends like, what are you on about? You, did, I, would, I wouldn't... It probably wouldn't have suited me, but it just hadn't even occurred to but me... But it's that thing, isn't that it, about suiting you? I could go and work in the you. city. I just didn't no. even know that that was an option no, for exactly. me. No, exactly. And it was, it's interesting that I just 
it's, it is, I think, knowledge is power. I think realising that actually, I was just saying to you guys earlier, that actually I do want to earn a good living because I think as a woman as well, this other trope of you're a gold digger or you're greedy, whereas men who are, are rich are smart and it's, and I there's enough male there's gold a lot diggers of shame anyway. When it comes to women and money, yeah. Oh but, yeah. But actually, we—if you put more money, especially back into the female economy—it it will only have a positive impact on the way that things change because women do tend to redistribute more money back into the economy than than men, and that has a positive kind of political repercussion. But then it's also suited men, hasn't it, mm. to also have it that way? Yeah. So oh, course, oh we yeah. deal with the money. We deal. We get yeah. the top jobs in finance <laughs> and the rest of it. Yeah. You just stay over there, girls. You know, yeah. you're fine. You do the pretty things. You do the other oh, things that you, we don't want to do. So, you know, it, yeah, it's not being helped. But no. then there's so many other areas of society yeah. where we've also realised that. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. I think re, re narrativizing the way that we talk about finance because, as you say, finance is everything in... It's everywhere. So it's not yeah. just in these buildings that we're sat in now. It's actually, I think, one of the most... My favourite things that I remember someone saying to me is you vote with your wallet. So the way that you pay yes. has such a big impact on where that has that trickle-down impact. So I think things like that is can be really empowering because it's not how much money you have, but it's how you use it. Yeah, and it everyone has the ability to spend in a way that they see fit, whether that's investing or maybe supporting small businesses or whatever money yeah. money might not buy you happiness but it certainly does get you a lot of access and I guess comfortability yeah and, and money is involved with everything I mean take some take some typically sort of in inverted commas female topics mm -hmm. I don't know weddings or babies oh right God, now <laughs> I've always been really keen to write about these topics but to throw in the financial angle and then people read about it and they don't even realize they're reading about money and finance yeah. but yet they go away going oh my God, yeah, of course, I've just spent X on that, whatever. Yeah. You know, just silly things like even say, um, you know, how much you end up spending on um, friends' weddings. Oh my That's gosh. extortionate amounts of money. Yeah. And I remember writing an article about this about 10, 15 years ago, and then sort of saying, well, you know what, all that money you're spending on that, look at that, if you'd invested that money mm -hmm. instead, this is what it'd be worth now. And I remember getting feedback saying, God, you know, I'd never even considered that there was a sort of a financial, yeah. personal finance aspect to, to sort of lifestyle choices well, like that. It's almost like you're taxed for being feminine because it's so bloody expensive to meet the That's true. We, yeah, we do pay more for everything. A woman. I mean, yeah. like, it's my sister's getting married next year and all of her friends got married. And the amount of money she spends on their Hindus and outfits and bridesmaids dresses yeah. and when you have, like, a bridesmaids dinner, then the Hindu, then the pre-Hindu night. And the boys just have the stag do the night before or whatever. Yeah, but they probably spend enough anyway yeah, doing but, that. Yeah, but it is, it is the irony. It's so true. It's, like, it's such a spendy... I think, basically, we've got some very outdated traditions, which we still really enjoy, but they don't really fit into... The, the new kind of more equal thing that we're looking for. So you're right, we do have to adapt and change in all of the areas to make it fit together. Because I think it's so interlinked, but sometimes we cherry pick, you know, I want to do this, but I also want this. Yeah. And they won't necessarily meet in the middle. No, but then what it was also meaning when I was writing these articles, though, is also is that they'd like, they're, if I said to you, I was writing a personal finance article, you probably yawn and go, oh, right, I'm not reading mm. that. If it was about, I don't know, having a budget, having a celebrity budget, mm. having a celebrity wedding on your budget, say, and then giving all these tips on how to do it. Yeah. That's all to do with money. Everything yeah. to do, everything pretty much, isn't it's it, in a true, wedding, yeah. is to do with money. How much paying for the dress, how much the catering costs, totally. how much honeymoon costs, the rings, everything mm. costs money. And you know what? As a woman, you've got to be really savvy and shrewd and know how to get the best deals, haven't yeah. you? That's all financial acumen and, and skill. Do you know, it's, I don't think we, yeah. I think we underrate our abilities you know, yeah. it's like I wrote a piece one time about um, sort of how to, 
sort of get along with a partner if you're not financially compatible, right? right? So like if one of you is a spender and one of you is a saver. Well, actually, perfect combination. Yeah. Because the saver is going to teach you. Say, this is right, typically, my Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's always that way around, isn't it, yeah. as well? So, okay, so typically we'll set the man up then as yeah. the, uh, I don't know, the saver here. They can teach you how to save and yeah. they'll know how to do it and make it effortless, blah, 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 and they'll have a focus on it. But as a spender, you are equally as financially astute. Yeah. And in fact, come on, you can offer probably even more here because somebody who's not used to spending money, say, they'll go and buy something. They won't have a clue if it's the right price. They're being ripped so off, best right. deals, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. If you're used to sort of scouring and knowing what's what... This is, You're going to be the, much better with I'm your sure money. I'm sure there's like a comedy sketch that's really funny and it's about how men go into a shop and they buy the most expensive suit yes. on the rack. As quick whereas, as possible. Uh, straight away. Yep. And whereas women will get... My mum, as you're saying, this just made me realise I've never thought of her as um, financially savvy, but bloody hell, she yep. can take anything back. Yeah. From like five years ago. She's get a Probably spot a bargain a mile She's off. amazing. And also can organise events. So we'll be like, oh, this looks nice. So I'll do it for you. I could do that. I don't know how mm. she does... She does she can do anything, that woman. And that is because I think she's fundamentally had to do everything. Like my dad went to work and she did everything. She cared for everyone, whether that was babies, grannies, yeah. whoever. And, and there you go as well. Women have yeah. been, not particularly in your mum's case, but always in other traditional yeah. scenarios too, handling the household finances. Totally. You know, the husband would give them a pot of money, go, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> if there's something over, you know, buy, sell something nice, oh, whatever, gosh. as a joke. But, you know, that's still financial acumen, but it's always just put down to, oh, oh, I'm not an investment bank, oh, I'm just a housewife. Yeah. You know, it's that, totally. but there's no just, is there? What, um, interestingly, thinking about like couples and finances, what's the, do you have any advice on when should people share a bank account? Or like, I always mm. hear lots of conflicting information about whether or not you should, like, should you buy a house together? When is it good to kind of collaborate on your finances? Or is it always good to have your own pots? Well, it's just, it is tricky, isn't it? It comes down to personal preference. Mm. But I think a bit of both. Yeah. I would say personally, I think you've got to, from word go, you've got to be open with each yeah. other about your finances because, you know, it seems that that's almost like the last thing we'll talk about. People yeah. are probably more ha happy to talk about their sex life than oh, they definitely. are about <laughs> what they earn or how many, how much yeah. debt they've got. But say you're, you know, getting on really well, blah, blah, blah. It's all going well. You fancy moving in together. Then it gets to the stage where you want to buy somewhere together. Now, you don't want to find out that Prince Charming suddenly has got debts up to his oh, ears yeah. and, you know, some credit rating that's through the floor. And basically, you'll never have a cat's chance in hell of actually getting a mortgage with yeah. this guy. That's not we. I mean, that's going to be that's a real romance killer, if nothing else. Yeah, so totally. that's not good. So you need to be upfront straight away. You know, I know it's probably not the most romantic of conversations, but, you know, you need to know. It's amazing how many women don't know how much their partner or yeah. husband earns. I think the other thing at the minute as well is because of like the increasing rent prices, especially in London, people are moving in together even sooner yes. and then still not discussing it. And actually that's going to be really obviously so detrimental. And I agree, luckily my boyfriend and I do actually earn quite similarly. And I'd been thinking about this. If we didn't, I don't think our relationship would work because we're able to go on the same holidays. Mm. We can go out for food when we want to go out for food. Yeah, of course and I hadn't stress, really thought about the fact that like, for instance, with some of my girlfriends who earn a bit less, mm. I won't suggest things or do think it can make it quite stressful. And I think in your mid-twenties especially, you go from being at uni where everyone's broke and from school where you've got pocket money to suddenly yes. there's a really big array of different income Yeah, you could streams. be earning anything, couldn't and you? And especially as girlfriends, you don't tend to, if you earn too much, no one wants to say you find it embarrassing. If you earn too little, it's embarrassing. And then everyone's going out for dinner, spending £40 on a meal and you're thinking, mm. shit, I've got £3 in my account and I can't. And I think even just internally with your friends, it's so important that you strip away that shame because it is it, it that splitting the bill thing is always awkward because you yeah, know that someone's earned less someone earns more and someone's had a salad and then 
even on the smaller scale, you know, mm-hmm. that's important, I think, to navigate. It is, sooner. definitely. Oh, yeah. So you, I think you've got to be upfront, haven't you? Yeah. You've got to, but you've got to be able to talk about money. Because yeah. if you can't, then you've got lots of potential problems down the line. And then when it comes to how you handle your money, um, I would think you probably, if you want to share a bank account, which is, you know, fine. Maybe also keep your own separate one as yeah. well. You know, some people split the money so they'll have a joint bank account and they'll both pay in, say, a certain amount right. each or either either the same amount exactly or else based on as a percentage of their overall income each if it's a different, Got they're you. both on different salaries. You could do that or you could do a thing where you put all your money into a joint account and then siphon some off yourself because that gives you your, your, your financial independence. It also means that you have at least some element of retaining control yeah. financially of some part. So, you, you know, if you put all your money into, say, like a joint account, well, what if your partner goes out and blows a lot? Oh, yeah. And have then you you're left Dirty John asking. on Netflix? Yes. Oh, traumatised. What if I'm you meet somebody? Money to anyone. What if you meet some, a guy like that? <laughs> exactly. And then they completely. Yeah, no. Yeah, now, so. Never. I'm no. not having cash and handbags anywhere in my house. No. So, no. You, you see, it's just <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's just important, I think, to do it. So, yeah, I've always always had a joint account, but then I've always also kept some money separate. Yeah. You know, not to be sneaky with it. It's not, you know, that you wouldn't know that I had the money there. But it's just so that, you know, I don't want to have to always explain yeah. why I've spent X amount on a lipstick or whatever yeah. the hell, something girly, you know. And I think putting your oxygen mask on first, it comes back to that same thing. You are born initially on your own. Like, you can look yeah. after yourself and not feel like you've got to relinquish all of yourself into a relationship. So I think that's dangerous and any sense it's not just fine absolutely that's a good analogy yeah it's so true though because you've got to look it's again going back to looking after number one it's not selfish it's not devious or crafty it's just an essential you've got to do it ironically it's seen as a masculine trait and something we need to kind of like unravel yeah um and we talked a lot about now like how we talk about finance personally but i think another thing that women struggle with is in the workplace how are we asking for a raise or how Mm -hmm. do you ask for that different because I've got I remember I moved to London I was living with the guy from uni at the time and he'd been working in his office for like three months asked for a raise and he got it and mm-hmm. one of my girlfriends spent her job for like four years and we're like just ask she probably had I was gonna and say she did she like, ask I no I'm too scared to ask she did ask yeah. she got one in the end yes but you're right I think guys just are so bullshit. they don't care either they're like okay I won't have no because all the figures yeah they say why don't women get pay rises and it comes out always because women don't ask yeah because we don't do it I mean, you've got to, you've got to ask, because yeah. if you don't ask, you don't get, right? Yeah. And, and where's the harm? Another thing, I think, you've got to um, be good at sort of a bit more self-promotion. Yeah. And also totally. singing, your own, singing, you know, your praises, and your singing or whatever, you know, explaining yeah. why you are right for the role, why you, why you should get more money. And also, I've read somewhere recently, you should ask for a specific amount. Oh, really? Yeah. So you don't have to explain that, you know, this is because you want to go on holiday to wherever yeah. or pay off some debts or whatever. But it's just that it, they said that psychologically, if you go into a negotiation, um, I think they'd done a study with somebody buying or selling something. Mm. So it was a bit of a different scenario. But they said the people who actually use specific sums were deemed more credible right. and seemed to be more sort of, oh, yeah, they professionally had sort of thought it thought through it. and therefore it's better. So, yeah, so ask and, and know what you want, basically. Yeah. I think I, in a funny way, I've actually become more empowered about finances because before I was with the management, I would have to pitch to people and mm. I would work out how much it was going to cost me and I would then get a very, I was very closely linked to what I was being paid. Whereas I think when people work in big industries and they look around at their peers and if they can't tell that anyone else has asked. And also I think with women, there's a statistic like women will only go and do something if they think they're 99% 
um, suitable for it. Whereas men yes. will apply for a job if they've got like 60% of what they need. And it's yeah. again, it's that risk taking. And I don't think it's that we all need to start being really over callous. But you're right, it is actually sitting back and recognising where our strengths are and not feeling like it's um, unattractable bullshit or whatever the gendered language is towards women who see themselves as they are. No, I mean, I've, yeah, I've read a lot on this too and it, it does sort of seem that... We have to be more careful, though, because, like, women are meant to talk about we in the workplace rather than I, right. whereas men can get away with talking about I. Interesting. Um, I think that might have come from Sheryl Sandberg in Lean In. Maybe. There was something along those lines. But also the fact that, because you've got to use more collaborative women as, uh, language as a woman, so you're not seen as too threatening in inverted yeah. commas. Um, but I still think we can, you know, we can sort of still walk that line and, and sort of ask for more money yeah. and explain how we're we're worthwhile and not be scared to do it. Yeah, I think if you're looking after it in all areas, so that starts off with your private and like saving a bit and, and feeling really up to date and aware of your financing. The first thing is what I've had to learn to do, look at your bank account. Yes. Look at what you're spending. Because things like Monzo and these like new apps that yep. they're Fantastic. really useful because it, it does break it down for you. Because I think the funny thing is the hardest part is actually just getting to know what you're spending, what you're earning. Yes. Because once you know, it gets easier and then eventually, hopefully, that'll drip feed and it'll end up that you will be in work and you will feel comfortable saying, you know what, actually, I need that. Yeah, well, it's easier, isn't it, to keep your head buried in the sand and not face up to facts, which is similar in relationships. You know, um, you could sort of like tend to not be honest about stuff, perhaps because you don't even want to own it up to yourself. You want to sort of keep quiet the fact that you've got so much on credit cards or on loans. But it's important to actually, yeah, get your head out of the sand. And and also, the other thing is, I think as women, we make excuses all the time as to why we can't. And and, and that's that's something we also found out in this Financial Power of Women report. When we spoke to the sort of thousand women out of the thousand women, thousand men we spoke to, women would say all the time, oh, either I'm too busy or I just haven't got time to do it or, oh, I just don't understand it. Mm. But it's like... You've got to make time. So things like these apps and all these other sort of tools that help yeah. give you these little nudges or just help make life easier, I think really do sort of make it easier for women to get on top of their finances, understand them and not be afraid of them yeah. as well. I think fundamentally it's just knowing that it's nothing to be scared of and it's it's not a man's world. You know, We're no. all in this together and you've got to harness that and it will just be empowering. And I think that it's re-narrativizing the way that we look at money. Money isn't just for men. Money can't buy you happiness, but as I'm getting older, I'm starting to think, actually, it's not not because I'm cynical, but because really and truly money, you need, there's money definitely helps. a threshold of yeah. money that if you're under that yes. earning, then you really will live a life that's more difficult. So to try and protect yourself from that, having kind of autonomy of your finances will be a really solid foundation. Absolutely. And I think rather than, you know, to, to, and, and also if you are unhappy with the powers that be or some of the structures that exist, in order to subvert that, you're going to have to change the way that that we act and the way that we interact with money and things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's very, very important to be financially stable, to have financial control and also to to know that you've got financial support and you've yeah. got to provide that for yourself as well as, you know, expecting if you're in a, you know, in an employee role, expecting yeah. your employer to put some money aside for you. You've got to contribute to that as well. So if you had to give a few tips to people who are just starting out, what would be your top few tips number one if you're starting out perfect prime time let's get you while you're you're young and start saving immediately whether it's five pounds ten pounds fifty pounds a month whatever get it invested get it saving and get it working for you because you're in an absolutely prime position you are never ever too young to start a pension or to start saving in fact the younger you are the better i've got a, a pension i started when i was 
or 22, which I remember at the time, I just thought, what am I doing? You know, I, you know, I want that 50 pounds a month. Why yeah. on earth is it there? And I just, I left it. Didn't really, I stopped paying into it stupidly after about four years. But I had my pension statement through earlier this year. And I was like, oh my God, you know, if only, You've because it's on. grown in 20 years well, to be yeah. something amazing. And it was peanuts to me, it, you know, 50 pounds a month yeah. felt like a lot then. But really in the scheme of things, it, it, because I felt like, oh my God, it's so far away. Yeah. But hang on, that, that 20 years has just flown. I know. So yeah, really. So if you can do that, and you know, there is that issue where if you're paying just the minimum that the government recommends into um, a pension right now, you still have that nearly 11% gap between men and women yeah so th that proves again if you pay in 35 pounds extra a month which I hope most people you know can set aside without feeling too much of a sacrifice there yeah. that can make the difference of bridging that gap and then when you retire you've got the same um, pot of money there potentially as your male counterpart put a bit more in you'll be yeah. even better off and you can be laughing all the way uh, yeah. to the bank it, do you know what, it's so funny because you're right when you look at the big picture it does seem so scary but if you break it down that big picture you'll get there very easily very but quickly when you look back it's almost like when you've spent a bit too much or hindsight's an amazing thing yes. so it's yes, kind yes. of like having that foresight now it's definitely that yeah oh well that's been amazing was there anything else that in your research that you particularly wanted to discuss or do you think we've um gone i over? think we've covered it all there haven't we yeah. so it's basically yeah get amazing. invested Save what you can, invest what you can. Don't be scared of it because, yeah. you know, it's not scary. It's all doable. It's all manageable. And also, don't think that, you know, tomorrow, don't keep putting off tomorrow and tomorrow yes. forever because it gets there really quickly. Yeah. And you want to know that you are financially independent now and you'll be financially stable going forwards. And yeah. then you've got financial security as you get older, no matter, you know, what happens to you. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. If anyone wants to look into research more, is there anything else, any articles that I can point people in the direction of? Um, yeah, on the website. So if you go to fidelity.co.uk, we've actually got a dedicated women and money amazing. page there with lots of information for people, lots of videos, podcasts, and lots of stuff to help people out Perfect. there. Um, and uh, yeah, get. I would say, you know, Get up to speed with all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Read it, enjoy it. It's not all boring. We talk a lot about sort of, you know, fun female type issues yeah. as well. You know, it's this, it's just about living your life as a woman and, and handling your money as best you can. Amazing. Thank you so much. I've absolutely loved this. I literally want to go home and just start saving now. Do, do it. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Thanks for listening, Thank guys. You. I'll see you soon. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.